What's good, y'all? What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed show here on the second show of the month of September. The date that this is being recorded is Saturday, September the 12th, the year 2020. Got a lot to do today as far as uh, this program is concerned. I'm going to recap Chiefs and Texans at the top talk NBA playoffs as uh, we are just about on our way to the final four as far as the remaining teams to compete for the Larry O'Brien trophy as far as the action in Orlando is concerned Um, and of course I give you my week the two games that I'm interested in in week one of the National Football League and I'll give you my picks and away we go but first things first of course is uh, football was back on Thursday night and it was back in form of this of last season's the 2019 Super Bowl 54 champion Kansas City Chiefs hosting the AFC South champion from last season and the Houston Texans in which they beat on their way to Super Bowl 54 back in January 8 months ago. Um first off before I get to the game Shame on every single one of you Kansas City Chiefs fans. And you know who you are. Shame on every single one of you for booing the 32nd, however long it was, the 32nd moment of unity prior to the football game. Shame on all of you that booed, okay? Because, again, not that, again, the kneeling has, again, one more time, last time, Nothing to do with the anthem. Nothing to do with the military. That's a, that's a bunch of hogwash. But this had they they didn't do this during the national anthem. That had nothing to do with it. Okay, Frank Clark is the only one that kneeled, and God bless him for doing that. But the moment of unity after the national anthem was over, before after well, it was before after coins was doesn't matter. But it had nothing to do with the anthem. But shame on all of you Chiefs fans out there that were booing the moment of unity. That's an absolute disgrace. And then I got, and then after the game, you know, I got quotes from J.J. White. You know, it was a shame. I don't know why people were booing this, that, and the other. And it got, and the Kansas City Chiefs fans were getting pummeled, and rightfully so, on social media and on TV later that night and into and into the uh, and into Friday. Got get absolutely pummeled, and absolutely rightfully so, fat because that is an absolute disgrace. Moment of unity. You know, you know what that shows me. You know what? I could care less about you sticking up for uh, sticking up for human, uh, not politics. Sticking up for human rights. I could give a crap about you being an activist and trying to prevent 
people that look like your that look like yourselves as far as the black athletes are concerned. I could give a crap about all that. You know what? Go put on your uniform. Go go head on that football field. Bang and 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 damn near kill each other for three hours. Put yourself at risk with the virus and entertain me, and I'll get on my merry way. Which I don't like that. You know, if we were good enough to to put our uniforms on and go ahead and and and, and play a football game and entertain you. But yet, when it comes to basically sticking up for what we believe in and what's right, and fighting the good fight for racial equality, no, 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 we, no, 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 we want no part of that. So that that said a lot about about the Kansas City Chiefs fan. Said a lot, you know. Well, cheer Patrick Mahomes and and Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark. You know, when they're on the field, but as soon as they start talking about Black Lives Matter and protesting and racial equality and, and stuff like, and you know, stuff like George Floyd and Jacob Blake have to change. Oh, hold on now. <laughs> we, we, we keep that. I'm not interested in that. Keep that out of football. You can't. No. You can't have it both ways. Can't have it. Shame on every single one you can't see Chiefs fan with Bowen so. And can Patrick Mahomes, and, and he's already annoyed me enough this offseason, can Patrick Mahomes, you know, instead of farting around, uh, give, uh, pretend like the whole world gives a damn about him and his dopey fiance getting engaged that while the Chiefs are getting their Super Bowl rings, you know, a, a week before the season starts, instead of uh, farting around and prancing around Arrowhead, acting like that the whole world, which is upside down, which is at each other's throats right now, racial tensions and tensions in general at an all-time high, you know, we got a selection year, we got this pandemic, Riots, protests, right? We got all that. Can he pretend like the? Can he stop pretending like the whole world gives a crap about him and his dopey fiance getting engaged? And can also Patrick Mahomes go out there and show some guts and have the excuse my French and have the balls to go out there and sit up here and say, you know what, stuff stuff like this has to change. You know what? I'm not. I can't talk. This. You know. I can't tolerate this anymore. Instead of trying to be cute and tap dancing around the issue to the equality for all and 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 being politically correct about saying what he really should be saying is like to hell with all of you yahoos that have a problem with us protesting and are and 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 have a problem with athletes speaking their mind and using their platform to promote and preach racial equality to hell with all of you black lives matter and then take it or leave it and if you don't like it you can bend over and kiss me between the back pockets instead of him having the instead of him having the courage to do that you know what he does instead he tap dances around the issue he he you know he shuffles he he does james brown little dance he moonwalks enough patrick enough okay I got quotes after the game. Well, when JJ Watt heard the booing, well, it was you know it was unfortunate. I hated to hear, and you heard, you saw, and you heard what JJ Watt said, and he was absolutely right. Yet when Patrick gets asked after the game, he says this quote: "Well, being down down there, I honestly didn't hear a lot of booing. I've seen a little bit of the videos after. We wanted to show unity and show that we were going to come together and fight the good fight, and we hope our fans will support us like they do in the game each and every single day." Patrick, if JJ Watt who's sitting on on the same field with you last time I checked. If J.J. Watt 
can hear the booing. If I and my ki- if I and my kitchen out you know in the state of Maryland can hear the booing, if my father can hear the booing sitting and frying chicken for dinner, if he can hear the booing, if my brother can hear the booing, if my sister watching on TV can hear the booing, if the 16, 20 million people watching that game on Thursday night can hear the booing, and if JJ Watt standing on the football field can hear the booing, if Ryan Clark can hear the booing, if Stephen A. Smith can hear the booing, if essentially everyone in America and JJ Watt who's participating in the game can hear the booing, and you can't hear the building, Patrick, wake up! Wake up, okay? I've reached my breaking point, and I'm going to get to the game in a minute. I've reached my breaking point with this, and I've held my tongue, but I can't hold it for any longer. You signed a a 10-year, $503 million contract. It admits to the pandemic when people out here starving left and right, they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Houses and apartment buildings are being foreclosed on. They're getting kicked out. They don't know when they're going to pay their mortgage bill. We're coming up around the fall time and the weather starts to get cold and God and, 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 and these state and city governments are in a tough bind because they want to give these people shelter so they don't freeze to death when the upcoming fall and winter comes around and at the same time they want to keep them separate because what they don't need as a whole is a is a COVID outbreak throughout the rest of their uh throughout the rest of their homeless shelters. So Patrick could give a crap about that. Instead he'd rather fall around on his on his private yachts in the middle of the Ozarks. He'd rather fall around and pretend like the whole world gives a crap about his stupid girlfriend who last time I checked isn't exactly uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett or Cindy Crawford. If you don't know who all the, either of those those women are, look them up. I could I could care less. Patrick, if J.J. Watt can hear it, if the 15 million people watch on television can hear it, if Ryan Clark sitting in the tri-state area working for ESPN can hear it, and you can't hear it, where's the disconnect there? You know what the problem is? He's afraid to get in front of a microphone and to tell America and to tell his fan base. Your behavior prior to the game on Thursday night was absolutely deplorable. Deplorable. And instead of him having the guts... To stand up there and say, you know what, Black Lives Matter, this foolishness has gone far enough. You gotta vote out these yahoos that are preventing the anti-lynching bill and 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 and, and re- essentially refuse to change what's wrong systematically within our American government and our American justice system. Instead of him having the guts and the and the balls to call out those people, what he'd rather do is say something cute, say something sweet, be politically correct with it, but try to appease all courts. When you're fighting for justice and when you are fighting for change, you can, you cannot be a people pleaser. Malcolm X was not a people pleaser. Dr. King was not a people pleaser. Uh, uh, Lou Cinder, a la Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, was not a people pleaser. Muhammad Ali was not a people pleaser. Bill Russell was not a people pleaser. LeBron James, who everyone, every single time I turn around, it's, well, it's Patrick Mahomes and next LeBron James. When it comes to being an activist and fighting for, Patrick Mahomes is not a patch on LeBron James' oldest pair of drawers as far as being an activist is concerned. LeBron James will get up on Twitter and will get up on television, look eye to eye, face to face to a camera and a microphone and call out the people that rightfully need to be called out for this nonsense and say this crap has gone far enough me and my entire NBA constituency and the black community as a whole demand change for this.
LeBron James is not afraid to piss off people. LeBron James could give a crap what the Tucker Carlson say of the world or the Laura Ingram say of the world or the people like those like those pathetic jerks in Kansas City booing them at a, during a moment of unity when it has nothing to do with the national anthem. LeBron James doesn't give a crap about them, what they think. That's what that's one reason why I respect LeBron so much. LeBron James doesn't give a crap about what other people that that hate him for his activism care. He doesn't care. But Patrick Mahomes does. A joke. Patrick, no one gives a crap about your stupid contract when people are sitting up here suffering and, and, and hungry and and, 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 and and people getting shot and left and right and race riots and, 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 and a pandemic. No one cares. And no one cares about your dopey fiance. What do you, what do you, uh, give me a break. Please. Enough. So you can sit up here and fart around and prance around the, the city of Kansas City. Ooh, look at me, I'm engaged. Nobody cares. I don't care. My sister watching the game doesn't care. My brother doesn't care. The football fan that's that's been bored stiff since March, dying for something to watch, does not care. None of us care. When it comes to you being an activist, stop farting around and worrying about trying to be a people pleaser. Show some guts and, and don't be afraid to piss somebody off. Call it and tell it like it is. Please. Enough. If J.J. Watson on the field can hear the booing, if I can hear the booing, if my family watching the game can hear the booing, if Ryan Clark, Stephen A. Smith can hear the booing, why can't you hear the booing? That's the first thing. Second thing. The NBC broadcast was not exactly, uh, that was not an Emmy Award winning performance Thursday night by any stretch. Chris was passive-aggressive when he talked about the protest, saying, well, I stand by the players 100%, long overdue, yada, yada, yada. But this is a distraction. Just move this out the way. Let's just play football already, which I didn't care for. Also didn't like when Chris was at least said something decent in the first part of his little uh, monologue before the game started. Al was as silent as... Al had more to say about Patrick Mahomes' money. Again, who gives a crap? had more to say about Mahomes' money than he did about the players' protest, which also I found was alarming and disturbing. Wax poetic about his money, but when it came to the player protest, had nothing to say about it, which I find odd, alarming, and worrisome to me. Now to the game. The Chiefs' offense was sloppy and out of sync on Thursday night. Okay, you can, you can, tell, you can tell that that offense... Really, 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 and this is all I heard leading up to the game. Well, this is my, this is uh, Deshaun Jackson's team. You know, he's he's the leader. He's the face of the franchise. They got his brand. New, they got him a brand new contract extension for the game started. This is uh, this is Deshaun Watson's team. Them getting rid of. You know, this is what I heard from Chris the other. What a phenomenal trade. Straight trading DeAndre Hopkins. It, it gives uh, Watson the keys to the to the Texans offense. It gives him the keys to the franchise. Blah, 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 blah. Last time I checked, this is football, not basketball. Basketball, a single player can take over a game and make a team a winning team. I don't care if they traded DeAndre Hopkins to the St. Louis Cardinals or excuse me, to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson, Pat Tillman, Dan Deardorff, Rod Tidwell, Kurt Warner, Patrick Peterson, and Chandler Catanazero, their old kicker. I'm not interested, okay? 
Deshaun, you, that's an idiotic statement, okay? And don't give me face of the franchise. When J.J. Watt, who, who has been, if anything, the face, the real face of the Texans franchise since he got there, if he's been there all this time and he's still on the team, and he wasn't exactly a Lawrence Taylor in the game, no, neither. But if he's still on the team, I can't listen to you talk about Deshaun Watson face of the franchise. Please, stop it. Okay? Please, enough. The offense was out of sync, incomplete passes. They didn't know how to manage the clock at the end of the first half. I mean, oh, my goodness gracious. What? Okay, okay. Will Fuller, okay. So you know what you have to do if your defense is going up against the Chiefs? Double team Will Fuller and stop and stop David Johnson. You do that, where, where else are they going to go? Which again brings back to the point why that trade back in March when when Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for a bag of uh, flaming hot Doritos made no sense. Made no sense. The offense was out of sync. Very conservative with the play calling. Wasn't, you know, didn't take chances throwing the ball down the field. The defense was sloppy, made many a pen, call, uh, made plenty of penalties that cost them field position and points. Nearly had an interception, was called back because of a dumb penalty in the game. I mean, they made so many mistakes. Costly penalties that cost them field position, put Chiefs in a prime position to win the game. And, and to put points on the board, and if they did, and if they learned anything from their humiliating loss back in January, is that you give Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs an inch, they take a mile. Your margin of error is so so slim going up against that Chiefs offense. You have to be perfect the entire game, and that defense was not perfect. Not perfect. They let that running back from uh, from Clemson. Who's 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 at the running back position this year in place of uh, Damian Williams, who opted out? Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of Clemson ran for, had 25 carries for 138 rushing yards and a touchdown, and averaged five yards a carry. Ran rampant on him all night. Chiefs, or excuse me, the Texans defense was horrendous. Patrick Mahomes didn't wow me. Neither did Watson. Running back, like I said, was phenomenal in the game. He's going. He's one hell of a running back. Chiefs are in good hands with uh, with him taking the place of Damian Williams. An excellent. I know that was just one game and his first time ever in NFL action, but he played a phenomenal football game on Thursday night. And overall, the game was pretty disappointing, underwhelming, dull, and boring for it being the first football game of the new season. M- much hype, much anticipation around it. What we got was a very disappointing, underwhelming, dull, and boring football game. And if you think that, and if you think the Texans are winning the division, think again. Okay, Deshaun Watson isn't exactly Warren Moon, and they got to give me more offensive weapons than than Will Fuller and David Johnson. I'm sorry. And that defense was not good on Thursday night. Not good under any circumstances. But the Chiefs proved why they are Super Bowl champions in the 2020 season. Mahomes played good, didn't wow me. Clyde Edward Delaire, phenomenal performance in his NFL debut. 
And Andy Reid gets something to clean that shield. He's sitting here falling up his mask nonstop. Get something to clean that shield, Andy. But it was a dull and boring football game. Very underwhelming. Take a break. Come right back. I got something to say about the Pittsburgh Steelers right after this. Welcome back to the I'm a Teleka is podcast. I got I got some I didn't initially plan to do this, but I've because I've because it's the start of the season and it ain't that much happening in sports, I'm not gonna bore you to tears with the baseball. No nobody cares. The Orioles and nobody cares. Um I, I don't understand the big national infatuation. With the with the Pittsburgh Steelers this season, I I, re, I really really don't. This team is favored over under number heading into this season is nine wins, which is way 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 too high. This team is not repeat is not going to be that. Good. I understand about the defense. I understand Minka Fitzpatrick and the pet. I get that. But please, please, this team, you cannot sit up here and tell me that this team is going to go nine and seven or better. You can't tell me that. This team, last the last three games of the season, three. With a playoff spot on the line, failed to score more than 10 points. Think about that for a minute. December 15th at home against the Bills, they lost 17-10. Went to the Jets, who had nothing to play for, and lost 16-10. Played the Ravens and a bunch of backups and lost 28-10. So, please, I understand defense wins championships. But you cannot tell me in a team that averaged 18 points in 2019, you cannot tell me that that's a playoff team, let alone win a division or, in Kyle Brandt's case, AFC champion going to the Super Bowl. Kyle, wake up, okay? You cannot sit up here and tell me. You look all up and down that offense roster. You trying to tell me that that's a, that that's a, a, a Super Bowl contending football team? Are you nuts? This team is re- not, repeat, is not, has no chance in winning the division, let alone the Super Bowl. None. Or making the playoffs. None. You know what? You're trying to tell me that a team, James Conner had one decent season. That was when Le'Veon held out the entire, had one decent season. You mean to tell me that a team with wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Nice guy, great guy. He's a good number two, good good Batman. Or excuse me, a good Robin. A terrible Batman. Last season proved it. He's not a good number one receiver. He's good when he is in the shadow of somebody, a la Antonio Brown. He's not a he's not a number one guy. You take away Juju, who, who does Ben who does Ben have to throw to? What, James Washington? Give me a break. 
Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool? Are you kidding me? What it in an offensive-driven league such as the National Football League in 2020, you need playmakers. You can't win football games depending depending on your defense to score three times three times a game for you. It's unrealistic, and it, and you shouldn't game plan that way. Then people are going to say, well, what about the 2000 Ravens? And the 2000, they had such a great deal. Yeah, but the 2000 Ravens also had playmakers on it. Quadre Ismael was a playmaker, okay? Jermaine Lewis returning kicks for him was a playmaker. Uh, Jamal Lewis out the backfield was a playmaker. The the Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp, playmakers on the offensive side of the football. Was their offense great? No, but they had playmakers on their team. What playmakers can you find on a Pittsburgh Steelers offensive roster? Go ahead. I'm waiting. And don't give me Big Ben. 38 years old, off of of an elbow surgery, that's not a recipe for success. Odds are, 9 times out of 10, that's a recipe for disaster. Okay, so don't give me Big Ben like he like he like he's gonna be the franchise's saving grace. Thirty-eight years of age, coming off of a uh, coming off of a major elbow surgery. Please, please save it, save it. But again, I don't want to hear anything about the Steelers. Enough, please. You 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 you're wasting your breath. Please, okay. Do I have to go back? And re- this is a team, okay. F- and and don't sit here and give me Mike Tomlin like he's Chuck Noll, okay? Please. Now I know, and I know that's heresy. I know that that's football blasphemy to, for me to say. You know, c- consider you know when I I got chastised on Twitter back in uh, j- back in January by uh, Tory Smith and and former Orioles outfielder Adam Jones because how dare I say Mike Tomlin is a Hall of Fame coach? Well, well, A, he isn't. B, he's got a lot more work to do before you can even put him into that conversation, okay? His Super Bowl that he won in 2008 was with Coward's team, and that was 12 years ago. He last appeared in the Super Bowl 10 years ago. You want to go through his playoff history since that 2010 Super Bowl? I'll do it for you. 2011 went 12-4 and lost a wild card game on the road to Tim Tebow and the 8-8 Denver Broncos. 2012 went what? 8-8, missed the playoffs. 2013 went what? 8-8 and missed the playoffs. 2014, wanted to do that? Went 11-5, won the division, and lost the wildcard playoff game at home to the Baltimore Ravens. So that's 0-2 in the playoffs. 2015, they beat the Bengals because the Bengals find ways to lose playoff games. Big, holla, big deal. Do handstands. I'm not interested. 1-2 in playoff games. 1-3. Because they lost to the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos the next week. 2016. Won two playoff games. So that's what? Two and... Th- what, what? That's three and three. Beat the Dolphins, which which it was, wasn't exactly heavy lifting. And beat the Chiefs. Which up at, which at, at that point in that time, all Andy Reid was known for is choking in big games. And if and if that and if the the uh, the left tackle, the left guard, Derek Fisher, I think that's what his name is, didn't essentially put James Harrison in a chokehold, they would have lost that game. And they got destroyed by the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. 
2017, 13-3, best record in the AFC, and lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars and made Blake Bortles out to be the second coming of Joe Montana. Give me a break. After all that talk, we're going to get back at New England, New England, New England, New England, New England. And they totally bypassed, disrespected their opponent. And they came into Heinz Field and, and kicked them out the postseason tournament. In 2018, with a 90% chance to go to the postseason in the middle of November, they collapsed, collapsed down the stretch. Starting season 7-2-1 and, and lost four of their last six games with Antonio Brown who at the time was the best wide receiver in all of football, and collapsed down the stretch. Collapsed. Lost the game to the Raiders. Lost the game to the Raiders. Lost the lost the, uh, a heartbreaker to the Saints. Oh, my goodness gracious. And had more and had more drama within that locker room than, than your favorite little soap opera you can find on television. Lost the game to the Broncos they had no business losing to. They choked the, at home against the Chargers. They lost to the Raiders. And they lost the heartbreaker to the Saints. Collapsed down the stretch. Yet Mike Tomlin is a Hall of Fame coach. Really? And fast forward to 2019. Second game of the season. Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> elbow. And, and and if you want me to... And if you, do you want me to put the 2019 game when he played week one? Steelers and Patriots. Do you, do you want me to pull that up? Because essentially, and that Patriot team was not exactly uh, the 2003 version. I can guarantee you that. Do, do, do you want? Do you want to? Uh, do you want to pull up that game, Week One Sunday night, where they got where they got beaten out the building and 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 lost the game by 30 points? Please, enough with the Pittsburgh Steelers, please. You can't, you can't win football games with Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball fifty times in a game. You can't. You know. You. I'll read you the stat line. Ben twenty seven for forty seven, two hundred seventy six yards, one interception. James Conner on ten carries ran for twenty one yards, and Juju Smith Schuster, their leading receiver, six receptions and seventy eight yards. Yet you mean to tell me that this team's going to compete for a playoff spot? You got to be out your mind. This team is not. Repeat, as not nowhere near a division contender or, in Kyle Brandt's case, a Super Bowl contender. You need playmakers. Where are the Pittsburgh Steelers playmakers? Tell me, where are they? Where are the playmakers? Okay, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, playmaker. Bengals, if when healthy, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, playmakers. Browns, when they have their act together... Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Baker Mayfield, Playmakers, Chiefs, Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Kelsey, Playmakers. Titans have Derrick Henry, Playmaker. Bills have a Playmaker. His name, Stephon Diggs, Playmaker. Cam Newton, if he's healthy, plays up the snuff, Playmaker. Where are the Pittsburgh Steelers playmakers? Tell me. Where are their playmakers? Because you can't average, you cannot average 18 points a game last season and come back the next season and we and I and we're hearing Super Bowl talk. That's nonsense. 
nonsense. 38 years of age, Big Ben. I know all the talk. Well, he got himself right. He was better in, you know, he was an alcoholic. He had that disgusting long beard, porn addiction. I'm not interested. I don't care if Ben Roethlisberger was baptized by Mother Teresa, the Pope, and Dr. King, and Dr. King's uh, ghost. I, I don't care. I don't care if he stopped drinking, stopped watching porn. I don't care what he stopped doing. Stop smoking cigarettes. I'm, I, who cares? 38 years of age with no playmakers on offense coming off of a surgically repaired elbow is not a recipe for success. I know defense wins championships, but in today's NFL, you need playmakers on offense to help you win the games. Period. Bottom line. You look at every single playoff team from last year, you can point pinpoint a playmaker on that team. Texans. Had DeAndre Hopkins. He was their playmaker. Playmakers. They help you win games. And they help you get into the playoffs. And they help you compete for Super Bowls. So don't sit up here and tell me. Well the Pittsburgh Steelers are like. Tomlin this. Tomlin that. Big Ben this. Big Ben that. When they have no playmakers on offense. Again Juju a good number two. Not a good number one guy when he's by himself. And James Conner, a shell of what he was in 2018. And Big Ben, 38 years of age, surgically repaired elbow, is not a recipe for success. So all you delusional people that are hopping on the Steelers bandwagon, gotta get a clue. I'm sorry. This team has choked many a times when it mattered most with a better roster than they have right now. And I gotta sit up here and hear Super Bowl and, and, and playoff appearance in the same breath with this Pittsburgh Steelers team? Really? Again, over under at nine wins. Way, 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 way too high. Bengals are going to be better. Browns are going to be better. And the Ravens are, in my honest opinion, be the best team in the National Football League. So stop. Please. Enough with. Calm down with the Steelers. Please. Please. I do not understand. I don't get for the life of me the big infatuation with the Steelers. I really, really don't. With a quarterback that's 38 years of age, not getting any younger, with a surgically repaired elbow. And it's not like that he has, you know, the offensive uh, firepower such as uh, Lynn Swan, uh, Lynn Swan, uh, John Stallworth. If, if I got his name right, if I didn't, I apologize. But it's not like that he has, you know, Franco Harris in the backfield. You know, I please. He doesn't have the Steelers of the 70s on his team. Please. Please. Calm down on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay? The coach is overrated. Not a Hall of Fame coach. I can give a crap what anybody else says. I'm not interested. That's not, that's not a playoff team. Not a playoff team. And in Kyle Brandt's case, that picked him to go to the Super Bowl, wake up. Okay? It's not that offensively they have John Stallworth, Lynn Swan, Rocky Blyer, and Franco Harris. Please. Get off the Steeler bandwagon. Get off it. 38 years of age, surgically repaired elbow with no firepower on that offense to speak of whatsoever is not a recipe for playoffs or Super Bowl. Please. Enough. And again, Tomlin overrated. Please. 
lost games in regular season. He had no 2018 again, lost to the Chargers, blew, lead, blew a lead to the Raiders. Oh, a complete mess. So please, enough with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Please, nine wins over under, way too high. Way too high. Come right back, talk NBA playoffs right after this. Amatella Katia's podcast. Switching gears from the gridiron to the hardwood down in Orlando, Florida, in the NBA bubble at the ESPN wide world of sports. Whew. Well, we have just about reached the final four of the NBA as far as their playoffs is concerned. Uh, we have uh, three tickets punched to the uh, conference finals, one more spot. Or excuse me, no, nah, not three. We have we have two spots, two in the East, still two remaining in the West to be determined, and we will get to them in just a matter of moments. First things first, Lakers and Rockets. Um, the game five, or excuse me, yes, game game five of that series will be later tonight. Uh, depending at the time that you're listening to this, you're probably watching that game right now. Uh, Lake is up 3-1. They won game four, 110 to 100. LeBron James had 29 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, two blocks in the game. Uh, Anthony, or excuse me, that's, uh, that's Anthony Davis. No, yeah, that's Anthony Davis. I apologize. LeBron James had 16 points, 15 rebounds, two steals, two steals and uh, nine assists, uh, 15 rebounds in the game, played 34 minutes. Anthony Davis played 40 minutes. And they barely they barely had to try. Anthony Caruso scored 16 points off the bench. Uh, um, Marcus Morris didn't even reach 10 points. He was 4 of 10. He's got to do better as well. Uh, and then Rajon Rondo coming off the bench, scored 11 points, with, had 10 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals in the game. Uh, show and he shot five of eight from uh, from the field, uh, one of one of two uh, behind the arc at three point range. LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined 0 for seven shooting behind the arc, which has got to do better if they if they end up facing the Clippers in the uh, in the conference uh, in the conference finals. Real problem lies is with the Houston Rockets. And you know I'll go deeper in depth on them when they get, when they lose tonight's game. I'll save I'll save my I'll save my Rockets piece for uh, for next week's episode. But what an absolute! I swear enough of what's Westbrook very overrated. Show he shot you know the three point ball is is all that matters to them. 
you know, when when James Harden is playing 39 minutes, shooting two of 11 from the field, one of six from three, and and and, and ham and eggs his way to 21 points. That that that's a jo- and turned over the basketball five times. That's an absolute joke and an absolute disgrace. And you see why I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. The idea that James Harden and Russell Westbrook playing on the same team was a gosh darn it why what a what a smart brilliant move by Daryl Morey and uh, and and Mike D'Antoni and the Houston Rockets my golly why didn't we figure this sooner this is a recipe for a championship I said it then and I'm saying it now and I'm saying it again if you thought that James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the same basketball team was going to was going to result in a Houston Rockets NBA championship let alone a Western Conference championship, you needed your head examined. Okay, they, what these two proved that they could not win it together when they were in Oklahoma City, and they prove and they're proving it again, or and are about to put the nail in the coffin on their season and proving it again here in Houston. Why the two of them on the same team cannot win a championship? All I ever hear about with Houston is shoot a million threes. Analytics this be gotta play small ball. No guys on the court under six foot five. All guys on the court gotta be below six foot six, six foot five or shorter. You know, shoot a million threes a game because by the analytical geniuses thing, well, you shoot more threes a game, you're gonna eventually you're gonna make more for every you know third three you put up. One of them's gonna go in, and it's gonna be you know triple of the amount of points of taking a regular jump shot and yada yada yada. This and then the other. James Harden, the greatest shooter in the game, better than Michael Jordan. Russell Westbrook, what a basketball player, what a point guard, what a what a phenomenal player he is, which and all of that is a bunch of hogwash and a bunch of garbage, okay? Russell Westbrook, that should be his name. Outside of a couple of performances in the playoffs, Russell Westbrook has been an eyesore, an eyesore to watch, an eyesore. You know what, he, you know what he's averaged this postseason? 19 points. 19 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists. And he's turned over the ball about 4 times in this postseason. You want me, you want me to read you his stat line? I'll read you his stat line. Okay, game 2 against the Lakers, he put up 10 points, turned over the ball 7 times, had 4 assists, 13 rebounds. Okay, game 7 against Oklahoma City where he wasn't exactly uh, tremendous. Only put up 20 points. I'll continue. Okay, you want me to keep going? I'll keep going. Okay, let's look and see how he did against Oklahoma City in game six. Okay, 17 points, turned over the ball seven. Or did I read that already? Yeah, I did read that already. I apologize. Game five, game five, in which they destroyed and they blew Oklahoma City out the water 114 to 80. He's Played 24 minutes, put up 7 points. Now, I get it. He was coming off of an injury. But still, you're Russell Westbrook getting paid millions. And all I ever hear about is Russell Westbrook is the greatest competitor. He's this, he's that. He plays with great passion and all this, and all this other nonsense that goes out there and and, 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 he's putting, and he shoots up and he's putting up bricks every single time he pulls up deep from three. Enough. Enough of Russell Westbrook. Enough. Game two, 10 points, turned over the ball seven times. That's unacceptable. I'm sorry. 
That's a, the, the, you can't you you cannot win basketball games. Turn over the basketball, and you can't win basketball games. Put up single digits. Uh, that that's and put and put up 10, 12, 13 points. That's unacceptable. When your name's Russell Westbrook, please, please, and James Harden. I'm not letting him get off the hook either. Okay, you play. You're down two one. You have a chance to tie two two. The Lakers are just salivating, foaming at the mouth to play the Clippers in the conference finals. And you're James Harden, and you shoot 2 of 11 from 3 and 1 of 6 from behind the arc. I mean, are you kidding me? All I have here is Houston Rockets this, Houston Rockets that. Great innovators, great this, great that. Off James Harden, what an offensive score he is. Blah, 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 blah. And every single time, doesn't matter if they're playing in in uh, in April and May or August and September. They never, this franchise, this team, never, ever, ever, ever does a thing in the postseason. Does not a single thing. I'll go deep in depth with their postseason failure in the next episode. But right now, they've done nothing. Now they can prove me wrong. They can prove me wrong by winning game five. But who thinks they're going to win game five? This team never does a freaking thing in the postseason. Whether it's James Harden, whether it's Westbrook with his playoff fillers at Oklahoma City. And now, Mike D'Antoni isn't exactly a pet ride to speak of either. I'm... I mean, and I'm not going to beat up on P.J. Tucker, Covington, uh, Austin. I'm not beating up on those guys. I'm beating up on the guys that they jam- that they that the NBA and the, and the people that do that wave pom poms for the Houston Rockets jam down my throat on a day and day out basis. You know, going gaga because James Harden put up 50 points in a meaningless game in the middle of January. Nobody gives a crap because when because when the rubber re- meets the road and the proof is in and when the proof is in the pudding of whether or not he's a he's such a great Hall of Fame worthy basketball player, greatest better score than Michael Jordan. When, when it's time for that argument to be proven and when, and, and when that time comes in the playoffs when it matters most, nobody cares about the regular season when they've failed as many times in the playoffs as they have. When it comes time for them to prove me their, their moxie and to prove that they belong as far as one of the best teams in the Western Conference are concerned, this is what James Harden gives me. 2 of 11, 1 of 6, 5 turnovers, 21 points and plays no defense. I could give a crap about that stupid block at the end of this series against Oklahoma City. I'm not interested. Plays no defense. Just sits there, lags around, you to you in whistles or whatever. Offense, bull, shoot a million threes, and, 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 he, and he's bricking them most of the time. And James Harden doesn't exactly look like he's in a, that great of a shape either. I mean, I, I I can find I can find fathers that are in that that are in better physical shape. It looks like to me than James Harden. I can give a crap about that stupid block again against against uh, against what's his face from Oklahoma City. I'm not interested. He played a garbage game offensively in that game, and he and he was disgusting in game in game four. And he's made it known, he and Westbrook have made it known that when the tough gets going and the pressure's on, they collapse like a cheap tent under pressure. So please, Houston Rockets, enough. Enough. Moving on.
Clippers and Nuggets. Game six of that series will be on Sunday going up against the football on ESPN, which I do not which I did not want watching that game because week one NFL season I want to be glued in a hundred percent into the football. I don't want to have to box score watching or flip at halftime of uh of uh, Ravens and Browns, for an example, to go see what the Clippers and Nuggets game is going to be. When the Clippers are probably just going to beat the beat the Nuggets anyway, their favorite minus eight and a half. But the Clippers and Nuggets, the for the for the L.A. Clippers to choke a sixteen point lead in that game on Friday night last night was was another disgrace. Okay, they let Millsap, Jokic, and Murray. Show up and ball out on them late. You can't have that. And, and Patrick Beverly, at like like deer in the headlights, didn't know what the heck he was doing on a basketball court. Piss poor defense, letting letting Nuggets shooters get wide open for three. Oh my goodness gracious! Played twenty seven points, shot 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 two of six from three, and and, and put up ten points. Is Patrick Beverly now and Marcus Morris? Put up 12 points. And Paul George, guy, give me a little bit more than 28, 26, man. Seriously. But for them to choke that lead was, an, was, an, was another joke. Okay? Quit farting around. You had the game won. You had the series won. You, could have had a, you had a nice little chance to get yourself breathing room, get yourself a couple of days off. You know what you did? You flushed your 16-point lead down, down, the, down the drain, and now the Nuggets are playing with the cause. And they have a chance to tie up the series if they win on Sunday afternoon. That bothered me. Celtics dethroned the champs. Celtics win in Game Seven. Fred Van Fleet took took like uh, there was like twenty five seconds left on the clock at the end of the at the end of the fourth quarter and at the end of that game. And Fred Van Fleet must have took off twenty seconds dribbling the ball, trying to find a decent shot. Meanwhile, the guys in the other half of the court had their feet uh, stuck in quicksand, not moving, staying still in position. And again, it's like what my father always used to tell me: you know, an athlete is most ineffective when he stops moving his feet. So I understand that he was like looking for a shot, but his other teammates sitting, you know, daring the headlights with their feet stuck in the mud, didn't did not moving an inch, didn't help him either. But at the same time, Van Fleet has to realize, you know, when when you're down by they were down by what four three, they had down three or four points, you know, with twenty something seconds left. A two is just as good as a three in that situation. If you have to drive the basket or pull up for a mid-range shot, don't have to, you don't have to go all-in or not go for all-in, but go all-or-nothing shooting a three, which is an off-balance three that was nowhere near on target. But the, but the champs say goodnight as they lose game 7, 92 to 87, and the Celtics move on to play the Heat in the 2020 Eastern Conference Finals. And the Bucks got swept by the Heat. Not get they didn't get swept, but they lost in five games. Middleton played a heroic basketball game last Sunday. Uh, Giannis was ruled out prior to get, prior to uh, prior to game five, and the uh, and the Bucks their season once again number one seed, best seed in the NBA. Don't even bother to make the conference finals, and they lose by the, and they lose um, 
and they lose the series, and they get beaten in five games by a Miami Heat team that no one outside of a couple people anticipated that they were going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Number one seed, Celtics, or excuse me, Bucks get knocked out, and rumor on the internet that Giannis unfollowed his Bucks teammates on Instagram. Take that for what it's worth. We got plenty of time to discuss where uh, where Giannis' whereabouts are going to be as far as his future NBA uh, employer is concerned. Take a break. Talk NFL. Two games on the dock for the weekend I'm into. And give my picks for week one of the National Football League. Back right after this. Happy 20th birthday to the gorgeous, the phenomenal, the great Liv Cowherd. Hit it! Welcome back to the Amateur Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now back to the National Football League. And once again, a happy birthday to the great Liv Cowherd. Don't be afraid uh, to slide in your boys' DMs again, uh, Liv, if you're listening. Once again, it's at the J Shield on Instagram. Uh, so if you want to highlight me again like you did uh, so uh, generously after your boy graduated high school, I'd greatly appreciate that. But welcome back to the program. As uh, we, uh, I don't know why I'm doing my uh, my uh, my Barry White voice. It is it's his birthday, by the way, too. He was also born on September twelfth. I don't know why I'm doing my Barry White voice, but uh, I like how it sounds. So I'm gonna just stick with it. Um, as we welcome you back to the of the Armitella is podcast, switching gears now back to National Football League with League One as far as the games are concerned as uh, you know how I like to do and like I've done in years past um, how I've picked two games at least three games but there were only really two games if you would outside of my Bengals of course but that's not really a uh, marquee matchup so to speak but the two marquee matchups of Week One of course in my honest opinion is between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints and like I always do, I pick the I uh, talk about those two games. I analyze them, I give you my thoughts on those games, on how I think the teams will perform. What do I expect leading into the game? 
and I, of course, will do those two games and then pick all the games in week one of the National Football League against the spread. Hopefully my brother, who wanted to be a part of the pick segment in the first weekend of the NFL season, hopefully he will come up uh, to the studio and join me at the end of the segment. But in the meantime, there's Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, week one of the National Football League, last time these two teams played, uh, was what, week uh, 16, week 15, week 16, Cleveland, which the Ravens beat them to lock up the number one seed in the AFC, uh, in the AFC playoffs in 2019, last, last time these two teams played in at M&T Bank Stadium, which will have no fans, by the way, for the entire season, no fans, no Ravens flock members attending uh, the bank for the 2020 uh, Ravens season, but the last two times, or last time these two teams played in the city of Baltimore was actually the Ravens' last loss of the season prior to their, of course, their playoff loss against Tennessee in January. And uh, this will be a very interesting football game because of the Cleveland Browns, who I expect and I pick to be a wild card team, finish the season nine and seven, second place in the division. I expect big things from Baker Mayfield as put up a shut up time. He said himself that he was humbled after his disgusting and embarrassing and underwhelming performance that he had in 2019 after all the talk and the chatter leading up to the 2019 season with the acquiring of Odell and Odell, pairing up with Odell and Landry and getting uh, Kareem Hunt and lots of the talking that uh, that uh, Baker Mayfield did heading into the t- 2019 season. He's quiet, he's humbled, and the Cleveland Browns, honestly, for this season, has put up a shut-up time. They got themselves a real coach and Kevin Stefanski coming off of the uh, Minnesota Vikings coaching, uh, coaching uh, squad, so... They should be a pretty interesting football team, and they should. Big uh, Mayfield should throw many a touchdown pass this season. Cause, you know, you got Odell Beckham Jr. and Nick Chubbs in there. You got to uh, win the backfield. But when you have also Jarvis Landry, you got to produce. And it's put up a shut up time for the Cleveland Browns, and I predict them to go to the playoffs. And that uh, and their offensive uh, playmakers, a la what the Pittsburgh Steelers don't have, but like I said, playmakers. Playmakers help you win football games, especially in regular season. Playmakers also put you in position, in positions to uh, to go to the playoffs. And the Browns have plenty of playmakers. But at the same time, Baltimore Ravens have a very good defense. Uh, they cut the uh, the cancer, I guess if you can call them that, in Earl Thomas a couple of weeks ago. But they will have very interesting defense, a very good defense. Wink Martindale did a fantastic job for the most part. And uh, coaching at Ravens defense, getting into one of the top 15, top 10 defenses in all of football last year. Of course, you have the reigning NFL MVP and Lamar Jackson at quarterback, uh, who is looking to not only repeat as MVP, but also looking to get what many of the people, myself included, has uh, has pretty much said that he can't do, which is to win a playoff game and eventually uh, put Baltimore in a prime position to go to and win the Super Bowl. The Ravens, of course, are my Super Bowl 55 uh, pick to not only represent the FC, but to win the whole thing. Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to have not as not as flashy and not as great of a not great as far as highlight real plays are concerned like he did last year, but he will have a very, very, very good season. 
as far as, uh, and for whatever the reason, I think that Lamar Jackson is going to uh, have good, has going to have a good job, going to do a good job and have a very great time in, uh, th in throwing the football and proving that he can win games with his arm, not just his legs. Of course, he's going to run. Of course, he's going to uh, wow you with his athletic ability and his, and his ability to move uh, in open field, but I just have a weird suspicion, a weird feeling that Lamar Jackson is going to prove to America that he can win games with his arm. You know, accurate passing, uh, throw, throwing the deep ball down the field, and, you know, two-minute drive at the end of the half or end of the game for him to lead the team down the field with his arm and complete passes to Hollywood Brown and, and company and, uh, and hopefully, at least to make my pick right, get the Ravens to Super Bowl 55 down in Tampa. So... Ravens definitely at Super Bowl, or even though they had they have yet to win a playoff game, but with their mindset, especially with Lamar at Super Bowl or bust, Cleveland Browns are trying to uh, improve off of their very disappointing 2019 campaign. They got Miles Garrett back off the suspension, put up a shut up time for the Cleveland Browns. But this will be a very interesting and very entertaining football game. You know, it'll be interesting to see how the Browns' offense operates with a new coach. You know. Because you know, there's, there's, if there's a lot of disadvantages for not having preseason football and really not having live game experience with Baker Mayfield having his new uh, offensive play callers and new head coach, there's going to definitely be some moments where they'll be choppy and sloppy on offense. And, and there will definitely be some moments where that team wished and needed their uh not wished, but uh, well, yeah, wished that they had uh, that they had preseason football. Not to nobody's fault, of course, of the pandemic, but there are going to be some times in that football game where where if you're Cleveland, you would have said, "Man, if we would have played a couple of preseason games, maybe that play, that play, this communication, you know, miss clock management, and, you know, this play call would have been right, this, that, and the other." Ravens is pretty much a, 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 a everyone's coming back, you know, same system same coach and all that so Ravens should have a pretty uh, decent time putting themselves in the best position to win against Cleveland on Sunday of uh, the second game and that game is is the 425 game uh Buck and Aikman you know outside of doing a couple Super Bowls and a couple of regular season games here and there will get the benefit will enjoy the benefits they they and their Fox executives will enjoy the benefits of putting Tom Brady on at four twenty five on Sunday afternoon as they will have the Saints and the Buccaneers on uh, on Sunday on Fox. The Buccaneers of course with uh, Tom Brady at quarterback um, and uh, with Tom Brady at quarterback and uh, Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement to join him. And of course, they signed Leonard Fournette about a few days ago, and then they also have Mike Evans, who was one of the best wide receivers in all football. The defense wasn't terrible either. This team, of course, uh, looking to make the playoffs, and in their minds, looking to compete for a Super Bowl, something that they have not done since yours truly was an infant back in 2002 when John Gruden was their uh, head coach and Brad Johnson was uh, their quarterback. And meanwhile, the New Orleans Saints still looking to get over that hump, that championship hump, something that's that they've been eluded by the last uh, two seasons, of course, blowing the game with help from the refs, uh, helping them blow that game uh, in the 2018 championship game against the Saints. And, of course, they got absolutely... Uh, 
was shocked out of the building and got upset by Kirk Cousins, who at that point in time never won a playoff game, never really won a big game of any stretch in his career until he came into New Orleans and outplayed Drew Brees and put on an absolute show back in the wild card round against uh, the Saints back in January. So you'll have Buccaneers and you will have Saints at 425 on, uh, on uh, Fox. Should be an interesting, entertaining football game. I still think the Saints are the best team in their division. They're a complete team. They got Alvin Kamara, who they just locked up for the next uh, couple years. Um, Cameron Jordan, of course, on defense. Uh, and then, of course, they have the best wide receiver in all of football. Uh, and Michael Thomas as well. Drew Brees is back. Doesn't have that much time left to get that second Super Bowl championship. But I think Drew Brees and the Saints will get it done. Uh, not just in this football game, but also will represent the NFC. Uh, and uh, go to Super Bowl 55 in the Buccaneer Stadium at Raymond James. Uh, Drew Brees, of course, is my MVP pick. I think that he will have something to prove. I think that, you know, him, he, what he said about the anthem, and I think that will help gel him and his teammates together because it looks like that Drew Brees really regretted what he uh, what he said and is looking to basically change how he is viewed and change how he, how people think about him, especially within his, within his, uh, within his black constituency in the locker room and in the black community in New Orleans and essentially the black community all over the National Football League. Um, but uh, it'll be an interesting football game between the Bucks and the Saints. And it'll also be very interesting to see how much the no crowd noise with them being, with there being no fans allowed in the Superdome the first two weeks of the season. It'll be interesting to see how no fans will affect uh will affect the Saints, you know, because that's a huge aid to them defensively, you know, when you, uh, and Tom Brady isn't used to playing in that, uh, isn't used to playing in the Superdome, you know, he's only played in there, what, maybe once every, every, what, once every eight years, he played it in, in 2009, I think he played in the Superdome in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, so he only plays in that Superdome when he was a member of the Patriots once every eight years. Now, with at least him being on team for the next two years, so playing the Superdome at least two more times before Tom Brady wraps it up or chooses uh, or chooses a uh, another uh, employer. But it'll be interesting to see how how effective that Buccaneers offense will be with no training camp, no scrimmages against uh, against other teams. It'll be interesting to see how that team will gel. With no training, with a limited training camp, limited to no OTAs and and, uh, and no preseason football, but at the same time it will also be an aid to Tom Brady in the box, not having to deal with that uh, with that raucous crowd noise in New Orleans as the game will be played uh, with no fans in the building. So those are your two games for uh, weeks for Week One of the National Football League. I'll see if I can get my brother to join me for the pick segment in a minute. He's not here yet, so I will take a break. And I'll be back with the Amitalki TIS podcast with week one picks right after this. Welcome back to the Amitalki TIS podcast. You know what time it is. I've done it 2018 season, 2019 season, and now the 2020 season. 2020 picks 
I pick all the games of this week of Sundays or this weekend. I got to include two Monday night games. Pick all those games against the spread. And to join me for week one is my brother Ian, the my younger brother Ian Shields. Ian, football season is here. How are you today? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Just uh, cannot wait till Sunday. I'm sick and tired of watching baseball, watching the Bummel Orioles, and not really. Uh, Lakers is just good to watch, but they don't come on every night. You gotta watch. Nothing beats other. football. Yeah, nothing beats football. Well, with that being said, week one of the National Football League in the league where they play for pay. Game number one. The Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots. Patriots favorite minus six. I have the Patriots winning 21-14. Ian, how about you? Uh, I mean, I know the Patriots are going to win this game, but I don't think. It may be 21-10, I think. I don't know. I feel like Tua may have a, a rough, rough first game. Well, Tua's, Tua's not starting. Ryan oh. Fitzpatrick is starting. Oh. But you may continue. Fitz, um, I don't know. I, I, still, I still stand by the score. Um, yeah, 21-10. Patriots. Coming up next, Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens favorite minus eight points. I have the Ravens winning the game 28-17. Um, I got Ravens 35-21. Jets against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills have high expectations. Lots of them picked them to win the AFC East. Let's see if they'll live up to the hype this season. I think they'll be a wild card team. I still, you can't bet against the hoodie and Belichick. Yeah, it's just me. Bills favored in this game against the Jets minus six. I have the Bills winning, beating the Jets for the first win of the season, twenty-four to fourteen. I have the exact same score. <laughs> the Raiders against the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are in a rebuilding year. Raiders looking to see if they can do a little bit better in twenty twenty. Uh, who's favorite in this game, you ask? Well, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. First time saying that. Wow, the Rams or Raiders in Las Vegas. Raiders favored minus two points. I have the Raiders beating the Panthers 24 to 16. Uh, I got 28, 2014. I mean, I don't think uh, Panthers just need more uh, weapons offensively, and I don't think CMC can. Allow the Panthers to get 14 points. I mean, uh, more than 16 points. So. Seahawks at the Falcons. Seahawks flying cross country week one to play the Atlanta Falcons. Seattle's favorite minus one and a half. Seattle's going to be a very dangerous team in the NFC West. If you heard my uh, season prediction show, I predict them to win the West. Seahawks favorite, of course, in this game. I have Seahawks winning 28 to 20. Um,. I may be a little biased, but hopefully it doesn't sound too biased. Um, I'm going to go 28-10. 28-10. I uh, do not think Matty, Matt Ryan, or as Matty Ice, I don't think he's going to do well that game. I feel like Bobby Wagner and new addition Jamal Adams is going to get all over him. I mean, I feel like Julio will have a good game. But, uh, I mean, Todd Gurley, I mean, we've seen him so many times, so we basically know how to play him. Uh, I don't think he'll rush for too much, and they said they're not going to really, um, he's not going to really be running all the time, so that's another thing. I mean, they don't have, I don't, I don't think they have Tuckin' Coleman, do they? 
I would have to. I would have to check. You said Telvin Coleman. Let's yeah. check. But in the meantime, uh, how do you think the uh, how do you think the Falcons going to do overall this season? Um, I mean, honestly, it depends. I mean, I know they added with the 49ers, Seven Coleman with the Forty Nine. Right. So it, I mean, I feel like for the Falcons, it all depends on Keanu Neal. Um, I mean, if you can stay healthy, I feel like they'll be a pretty good team. I mean, I know they added Deontay Fowler and drafted a cornerback. Um, that depends on Keanu Neal because, I, mean, I mean, he's been out for two straight years with knees injuries and I think an arm injury or something. Um, it's, I feel like it just, it just depends on that. But, if, I mean, if he can keep healthy, I feel like they'll be a good – they may slip in as a wildcard team. Eagles against I I have a policy until they get a real name I'm calling them the Washington Redskins they've been called the Redskins all these many years and all of a sudden calling them the Red let's, let's calm down Eagles at Redskins or the Washington football team take your pick Eagles favored minus 6 points against Washington I have the Eagles winning and the Eagles are going to be a very interesting football team I, they can contend for the division but all those injuries, it's just, I, I, I think Dallas is going to win the division by a game. But the Eagles are favored in this game, minus six. I have the Eagles winning 20-17. to 17. Uh, To kind of piggyback off what you said, um, I mean, I got the Eagles obviously winning this game. But, I mean, since Washington got rid of uh, Adrian Peterson, I feel like yeah. that's, this is going to take a huge hit on them. So, I don't feel like they'll score as much points. Um... I don't, I don't know how Carson Wentz does because I haven't really seen a good year since 2016 from him. Uh, he's been real wishy-washy for me. I mean, I've obviously got Dallas winning the, uh, the East, but I, don't, I think it's going to be more than a game. I just feel like the weapons of Dallas as offensively, they, they, I mean, they're going to kill in the East, but I think they'll probably win the division by three or four games. Who do you have winning the game now? I said Philly. Oh, what score? I told you, 28-10. Chicago against the Detroit Lions. Lions favored minus one and a half. Matt Patricia is not a good coach under any circumstances. Uh, And Matt Stafford is very underwhelming to watch. But I have the Lions winning the first game of the season, 17-10. Mitch Trubisky, to quote my man Adam Shine, struggles with the forward pass. Matt Nagy isn't exactly a George Hallis or a Mike Ditka either. I think the Lions will win their first game of the season, 17-10. Um, I also got Detroit. Um, now, if Nick Foles was starting, I would have Chicago, but I'm not sold on uh, Mitch Trubisky. Never was. Um... I mean, it's not going to be a blowout, but it's going to be close. I feel it's going to be like 24-21. Colts against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars are, looks like, going to be your tankable champions as far as 2020 is concerned. They basically sold off every piece but the kitchen sink, so it's pretty aware that they're going to be tanking this season. The Colts are favored, minus seven and a half. Phillip Rivers debuted as a Colt. I think the Colts will win 23-6. to six. Uh, I got the same as that score, honestly. 
Um, Jacksonville's not going to score a whole lot. If anything, they're going to score field goals. Uh, I don't see them scoring any touchdowns. So, yeah. Green Bay against the Vikings. These two teams faced each other in Week 16 back in December of last season. Vikings favorite minus three, coming off of a plot they lost in the divisional round to the 49ers, had an upset on the road against the Saints. Green Bay lost to the 49ers in the championship game. Both teams have a lot to prove heading into this division. This division, you can make the argument, is a toss-up between the two teams. Uh, but I have the uh, I have the Green Bay Packers winning despite the the uh, Vikings being favored by a field goal. I have the Packers winning twenty four to seventeen. I mean, Packers are gonna win this game, but they gonna win twenty four fourteen. And the reason why I say that is that may be a score. You have to have the same roster last year, but uh, Devontae, uh, sorry, not Devontae. Devontae Adams. Yeah, no. Diggs, Diggs. Uh, oh, Stephon yeah, Diggs. Yeah, they lost Stephon, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs yes. losing him to, and he goes to Buffalo. That's, uh, that's, that's tough. Cause uh, you got before you got Rudolph, Thielen, and Diggs, but now you only got Rudolph and Thielen. I just don't think that uh, I don't think they'll be as good uh, in this game. So I got 24 14. The. L.A. Chargers favored minus three and a half on the road, flying semi-cross country to play Joe Burrow in his NFL debut in the Cincinnati Bengals. My Bengals, I'm all in on Burrow. I'm all in on the Bengals. A.J. Green's going to be back and in full effect starting. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be playing the full game. I think the since I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have not just a phenomenal football season. As far as compared to last year, going two and fourteen, getting a number one pick, I think the Bengals will be competitive this season. I have them finishing third in the AFC North at seven and nine. They're the Chargers, the favorite minus three and a half. Tyrod Taylor, eh? I, I I'm a believer in Joe Burrow. You know, I don't think there hasn't been a first round quarterback, uh, a first overall pick quarterback to win his first game of his the debut of an, of his NFL career. I think it's been like 18 years since that happened. But I think the Bengals and Joe Burrow is going to change that. Bengals are going to win 21-13. Um, Tyrod Sartenford. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was going to have the reverse score, but I might have to stick with you because I thought Herbert was uh, going to start, but Tyrod starting. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Tyrod, he was good in Buffalo. Uh, I really don't know, but I mean, I feel like uh, adding Burrow to the Bengals rather than adding Dalton. Uh, for you guys, I don't know. It depends on how AJ Green plays. I mean, I know Boyd is the star, but it depends on if AJ Green can stay on the field. And if he stays on the field, y'all, I feel like y'all will go 79. But if AJ keeps on getting hurt, then y'all gonna have a bad season. Not as bad as last year, but y'all gonna have a tough season. But yeah. uh, y'all gotta have that, y'all gotta update that. Uh, Secondary, that secondary back, looking too high. <laughs> right, I hear. Um, the Cardinals and the 49ers. 49ers, of course, have to have to do what's been semi the impossible. That's making it back to the Super Bowl uh, after losing it in the previous season. They're favored by a touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals, who will be highly competitive in the 2020 campaign, in my opinion. The 
49ers are favored minus seven points. Um, and I have the 49ers beating the uh, the uh, Arizona Cardinals 20-17. to 17. That game is in question because of the wildfires in California affecting the air quality. So we might, so that game might get uh, canceled or, or postponed altogether. But as of right now, I will have the 49ers beating the Cardinals 20 to 17. Um, I mean, I just think it's going to be a good game from last year. I know everything has improved from last year. Kyle Murray's, uh, I think, have gotten better. And DeAndre Hopkins has. Um, Really, really improving the Cardinals. Um, I don't know if Sherman's going to be going up against Hopkins, but I feel like that's going to be a good matchup. See them two go up together. Uh, I do got the Niners pulling out of this one because I just feel like they're just slightly better team defensively. Um, but I, I feel like Arizona got a better offense, though. But uh, yeah, I got the uh, same friend winning, same score. Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Saints favorite minus four points. I have the Saints winning 28-17. to 17. Tom Brady's debut as the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. New coach, new system. Gronk hasn't played in a year. I don't think that'll be to their benefit. I think it'll be to the Saints defense benefit. That's why I think the Saints are going to win that football game. Uh, I, I mean, I do have the Saints winning. Uh, y'all, y'all who are talking big about the Bucs, let's just hold on for a second. Brady, I mean, he's declining. Back in uh, Foxborough, uh, just throwing just underneath routes, and the weapons that he has, I don't think he's able to sling it like he used to. I mean, if Evans, Evans is not gonna be that wide receiver, he's gonna keep him running drags and slants right over the middle, and uh, Godwin's not gonna be running out out routes or screens like. They're going to have to go uh, deep with the football. And I don't think Brady's that accurate as he was uh, two or three years ago. I mean, I got New Orleans running uh, 35-28. But uh, I don't I don't think the Bucks will have – they'll have a decent season. I mean, they'll make the playoffs just because of that extra team in the playoffs. But I don't think y'all just hyping up the Bucks a little too much. Dallas favored minus two and a half against the Rams. Sunday night game, I have Dallas winning 24-17. I, I don't think the Rams will be that good. I'm sorry. I think the pixie dust has run, has ran out on Sean McVay. This team's stuck in cap hell. Jalen Ramsey isn't exactly the greatest teammate in the world. And Jared Goff stinks. So, 24-17 Dallas. That's a little cool, don't you think? Um... New, new coach, so they might be a little bit growing pains as far as Dallas is concerned. I mean, but it's, it's Mike McCarthy. It's not nobody, but it's, it's Mike McCarthy. Um, not, I'm with you. I'm not sold on the Rams. Uh, last year, I really wasn't. Aaron Donald cannot be your whole entire team. I'm definitely not sold on Jared Goff. Never was. Gave him all that money for no reason. He can't throw a football. Um, I mean, Cooper Cup is a stud, but they got to find a better quarterback. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, he, he's good, but he's kind of talking a little too much. Uh, I mean, they don't got Gurley back in the backfield, so I don't know what the running backs are looking like. Um, but yeah, I got I got Dallas. I got Dallas smacking, um, what, 35-7? Hmm. 
Pittsburgh and the Giants. Pittsburgh, you heard my rant, not high on Pittsburgh whatsoever. Giants have to be better with a new coach. Hopefully they are better. I think it would be an ugly game from an offensive standpoint, but I think Pittsburgh win the first game of the season 17-7. Um, I'm going to go with the same score. Uh, kind of with you, I'm not really sold on Pittsburgh. Uh, Big Ben's getting up there. I mean, when you have an elbow injury as a quarterback, that is probably the worst thing that you can that you can have. I mean, that decreases every how you throw the ball, you're throwing the run, everything. So, I mean, they don't have wide receiver. I mean, y'all y'all Pittsburgh fans are acting like this is uh what what was the year? 2015? 2018. 2018 uh, Steelers with Big Ben, Le'Veon, and AB. Or 2017. But yeah, yeah. Big Ben, Le'Veon, and AB. This is not the same team with Marquise Bryant and Marcus Wheaton. Um, as wide receivers, it's not the same team. Juju's good, but he could, he's not a number one. Um, yeah. Uh, James Conner, not really sold on him. He had that one good year. People overhyped hyped that up, uh, to be honest. Um, didn't do anything really last year. Defense, my, I mean, Michael Fitzpatrick, um, He's good as a safety, but uh, Kane, Casey Hayward, uh, they're good on defense, but you just got to have a little more. Uh, and, I mean, it's not like you have Troy Palmelli back there again. Um, yeah, but I got Pittsburgh winning uh, 21-7. Last game of the weekend, the second game of the Monday night, Denver. And the Tennessee Titans. Titans, of course, made it to last year's AFC Championship game. Denver is going to have to do the best they can without Von Miller on the defensive side. I have the Titans beating Denver 21-14, to even though Denver is favored minus 2.5. What say you? I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Uh, not so in the Titans. And I'm going to tell you the score first. Um, Flip, flip it. Um, I got Denver winning 21-14. Uh, you signed Javon Clowney. Uh, that's not Lawrence Taylor out there. Uh, I mean, he was good with us, but, I mean, really couldn't get to the quarterback as much. Most of the time he got to the quarterback was against San Fran. I mean, Derrick Henry's going to be a beast. I mean, they got Ryan Taylor, who's just decent. Uh, wide receivers are good, but... I don't know. I just feel like Denver's changed over the offseason, and they've gotten better. I mean, it also depends on uh, what's the starting quarterback. Drew Locke. Yeah, it depends on how Drew Locke plays. But, I mean, hey, you never know. But I got Denver in this game. And that is your 2020 picks for week one in the National Football League. Well, good program. Got on, touched on the Steelers, touched on the NBA playoffs, of course, with the Rockets, and it's enough of them. Uh, Bucks, of course, got uh, got beaten in five games. The Eastern Conference Finals is set. 
gave you my thoughts on Chiefs and Texans. This has been another episode of the Amatella Kitiaez podcast. Like what you heard, please subscribe, share with your friends, family, whoever would be interested in listening to Sports Talk uh, podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it ti. Excuse me, at Amatella underscore it ti. Follow your boy on Twitter at and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast. Shout out, thanks Ian for coming on. This has been the Amatella Kitiaez podcast. Enjoy week one, everybody. Talk to you next week.